can't believe we're halfway through November already. Welcome into another edition of the Hops and Spirits Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Green. Got another great episode for you this week. We go a little bit on the whiskeys, the spirits side, uh, but we also dabble in the hops too. It's a nice mix and match this week. We also give you uh, the first taste of our Things We Love Holiday Giveaway 2020. We got a little bit of that on this episode. Remember, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Hop Spirits, all one word. Social media is where you can keep up with all our shenanigans, uh, see what episodes we've got coming up, what other fun goodies we have going on. Uh, so you want to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hop Spirits, all one word. But let's get into this episode, not waste any time. And joining us here for her second time, yes, that's right, she's our first repeat guest. It's Nicole Austin. Uh, she's the master distiller and general manager for Cascade Hollow Distilling down in Tennessee. They're better known as the home of George Dickel Tennessee Whiskey, but that's not what she's here to talk about this week. Nicole, welcome back. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, now, you know, last time we talked, I, I know you were very excited. You couldn't tell us much or really anything. I'm guessing this is what you were excited about, the Cascade Moon series that you guys just launched? Yes, that's exactly it. And, you know, I'm a terrible secret keeper. So, <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so, uh, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't too hard to figure out. Yes, this is exactly what I was very excited about and uh, probably dropped many hints but couldn't exactly say. Now, the Cascade Moon, um, for, for those that don't know, it's it's a brand new Cascade Hollow uh, kind of brand. It's not the George Dickel Tennessee Whiskey. It's its own, correct? Yes, that's right. And this is um, my first release in this role that's not George Dickel branded, right? So this is the first one, uh, you know, as you announced sort of at the beginning, right? My title is uh, General Manager and Distiller for Cascade Hollow Distilling Co. Uh, and we have had at Cascade Distillery in the past other brands besides George Dickel. Um, there was at one time a brand that was fairly big called Cascade Pure Whiskey uh, that I thought was really interesting, but uh, you know it, it has long since fallen into you know into antiquity. But that was the idea always, you know, not making me the distiller for George Dickel, but for Cascade Hollow, you know, to allow for kind of a reprisal of some old brands and maybe creation of some new brands. So this is my first um, kind of foray into doing that. And then the Cascade Moon, you know, obviously, obviously you mentioned it's kind of an ode to the Cascade Pure. It even has the mellow as moonlight uh, tagline. How, how much did you want to make it kind of, you know, an ode back to that original uh, Cascade Pure whiskey? I would say that was more of a point of inspiration, right? And we don't have very much information about what that actual whiskey was like. Uh, you know, we, we know very little. And that was, uh, you know, it's a tiny bit frustrating, but also sort of freeing because it means, you know, you can just sort of take it as a jumping off point, you know, a point of inspiration. And you could sort of see their concept, you know, that it was they had this like really cool, arty advertising and, you know, this tagline about being mellow as moonlight, you could kind of tell a little bit what it was about, but you know nothing about the whiskey. And so that means you can, you know, sort of take it as a point of inspiration, but jump off into entirely your own direction. And so that's what I did here. And it's, you know, we, it's a nod to the past, but it's in no way an attempt at recreating something that we don't even know what it was. And I'll, I'll say the the label is, is really cool. Like you said, it's kind of got that, um, artsy you know it, it really is it's it's th these are limited editions it's got a cool label 
And, and it's a cool concept because on this first one, edition number one, you were inspired by the tasting notes of uh, Gosa style beers, which that's my favorite. Um, you know, those, those kind of sour, unique fruitiness. Um, what made you go that route? Are, are you, uh, do you enjoy some, some Gosa style beers or, or did you just kind of uh, use that as the, the inspiration? So I very much do enjoy Gosa style beers. And I, something that I was really inspired, you know, looking at Goza is it's, you know, I think the beer space has a lot that can, can teach us in whiskey, you know, and something that I think there's some folks that are doing, they're doing really well right now is making creative beers that are still really palatable, you know, really mm-hmm. easy to drink, right? That, you know, craft beer in, you know, in the 90s and the early 2000s, you know, a lot of my experience of that was like, massive hoppy beers or like they, it was challenging right like challenging beers and that industry has sort of evolved to be really creative but not necessarily always challenging you know some of them are just super like friendly drinkable beers and i really like that as a concept and that's something you know conceptually that i wanted to bring into whiskey but the ghost inspiration specifically um came out of you know, during the, the sort of review process where I was reviewing all the, you know, aged whiskeys that we had at Cascade Hollow, there was this particular group of whiskey that had been aging in refill casks, right? So really interesting to me, you know, a 16 years old refill cask whiskey. So of course it can't be sold as a bourbon or a Tennessee whiskey because of those refill casks. And so I was really intrigued by it and it, you know, it was light. Um, it had this really present, like fruity character, but it also had this really strong, like brothy, savory, um, almost saline type character to it. And I thought that was really interesting, but it wasn't on its own, you know, particularly balanced, right, or palatable, um, like immediately on its own. And I knew I wanted to think, like, how can I take this and make it? you know, palatable and balanced and lovely. And the um, the assistant that I was I was nosing with, uh, Rachel, she was like, you know, this reminds me of a beer, right? Like, you know, you're exactly right. Like this is, and you know, how would they, how would they make this balanced in beer? You know, and I thought of Goza and it's sort of, it's like kind of salty, sweet, um, you know, balancing and that sort of fruit notes and the sort of salt notes and how they work together to create this beer that's just like really lovely and drinkable and also kind of weird and interesting, you know, I just, I, I wanted to capture that spirit and it really inspired me for how I could take this character that was really interesting and make it, you know, balanced and lovely. So um, kind of hunted for some other whiskeys that would really like punch up and highlight the fruit notes. And that's what I blended onto that base to create this spirit. So that's what I mean when I say inspired by Goza, you know, it's not, there's no, salt in it it's not a beer or anything like that it was more just a framework for thinking about how i could take this really interesting and strong character and help it be you know balanced and lovely i was gonna say i i love that that concept and and i was fortunate enough to get to try the the edition number one and and you really do get those savory notes but i think what really shined for me was that fruitiness you know kind of on that back end and, and i really enjoyed it whether it was sipping or, um, you know, I even uh, did a little little mixing uh, so, so I could sit there and kind of enjoy, enjoy one with my wife. And um, it, it was very good either way. 
And I, I really think that showcases your ability to find how to kind of blend those unique flavors together. Yeah, it should be, you know, I, I hope you found it to be pretty, like maybe intriguing, but also just still really sippable, you know, mm-hmm. really approachable. Because that's part of what I think is so great about that style of beer and, and something I was really trying to bring to this, you know, that it's like curious, but not harsh. Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely very approachable. And, and I, like I said, I, I really enjoyed uh, the notes that you get with it. I know this is something that's not going to be just a one-off in the sense that, you know, you're only going to do one Cascade Moon and call it quits on that. <laughs> You've got another edition that's supposed to come out this year. Yeah. Um, is that something that you guys are looking to do one, two a year, maybe something on those lines? Is that how you envision this project going forward? You know, I'm I'm really working not so much to any particular number target, but more the idea of Cascade Moon is, you know, points of inspiration so uh, i guess it depends you know how how much inspiration i get and how excited <laughs> i get about liquids and you know when if i find something that i'm excited about i'm gonna definitely you know put it out that could be nine in a year or it could be ten in a year you know i, I don't know um it, it all depends on like what i think is worth releasing so there's not going to be any particular cadence which i know is probably a bit um you know frustrating and annoying but that's whiskey you know you <laughs> You, you're, you never know when it's going to be ready. I was going to say, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that's how you make sure you keep producing really, really good things. Um, but like I said, I do know you in the releases, you mentioned there will be another one. What can people expect, though, on, on these lines? Is it just going to be um, something that w- whatever inspires you? Or, um, you know, do you kind of have a few little things that you kind of want to keep similar each time? Or how, how will it work? Yeah, I hope so. All of them should be curious, you know, and unexpected and interesting, but still really, you know, approachable and inclusive, right? So um, that's the framework that I'm thinking about, you know, but there's no, in terms of particular flavor profiles or some particular base spirit, you know, nothing like that. I think hopefully, hopefully it'll be all over the map and that's the whole idea, you know, to be future thinking and creative. And then, uh, you know, when we talked previously, um, you, you got your start, so to speak, at Kings County, mm-hmm. um, and you got to do a lot of fun things there because you guys were just, you know, you were little guys, could kind of do uh, whatever, whatever you wanted. You, you weren't a big brand. Does this did this kind of uh, style take you back to those days where you, you got to really experiment a little more and, and kind of try new things? Oh, exactly. I mean, that, and that's exactly the idea. Like, part of what's so exciting for me about this is, just to even have a mechanism at all to do releases that are this small, which, you know, is actually pretty unusual inside of Diageo, right? Like they didn't really have a way to do something, you know, this small, right? Like there's only a few hundred cases of this whiskey. And that is a scale that I was very comfortable operating in. And it does allow for a lot of creativity, right? It's a way that you can, you know, you can make something a little bit weirder if you're not worried about how to sell 50,000 cases of it. And this was, uh, something it's a mechanism that I'm really excited to have because it is exactly the sort of way of working that I'm used to, you know, from other craft distilleries to be able to like just be a little bit more experimental and try things out at a smaller scale. It's, you know, it's a lower risk and it allows you to be a little bit more creative. So I'm really excited to have this, you know, as a mechanism. It helps me, you know, it's it's a way I'm comfortable working and that I really like. It allows you to just have a little bit more fun. 
And then did was there any I don't want to say pushback or was was this a hard sell? Because as you mentioned, you know this is not something. Diago, which is a, a big name, uh, owns a lot of big brands, mm-hmm. is used to doing. I mean, did they go, I don't know about that, or were they were they just on board and were like, we trust you, go for it? Pretty much the latter. I mean, certainly folks were like curious, you know, like, it's what now? Like, you know, the, the, it's, it's a beer? It's related to beer? What are you doing? You know, I, definitely folks were curious, but, um, you know, I think they trust me and I have a, a pretty good relationship with everybody in the company, you know, that I work with and, um, you know, have a super good team. And I think not just me, but the whole team, you know, the company really has faith in. And then, you know, when we talked before as well, uh, you know, you, you were able to, when you were working on George Dickel, the bottle and bond, you were able to win whiskey of the year. Um, did that kind of maybe also open up some uh, more yeah, doors for you? That definitely helped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, um, big news just out this week that the fall 2008 edition of the Bottle and Bond, which was the one that came out this year, uh, was just the top rated whiskey in the fall 2020 edition of Whiskey Advocate. It got a 95 point rating, which is actually a point higher than the whiskey of the year from last year was rated. So. I'm pretty massively excited about that. Uh, well, and all your hard work and all the, the, the many, many samples that you had them pull so you could try was well worth it, right? Yes. Oh, yes. It's so hard, you know, the work that I do. <laughs> uh, but, but I mean, you know, kind of even, you know, going back, you know, obviously with the bottle and bond, you know, you were trying different things, trying to put stuff together. Is oh, that just kind of what you do? Weeks and weeks. Yeah. I was so paranoid about it. And I'm like, I'm so so grateful and so honored that it's paying off. I was going to say, does that, you know, last time I said, does it make it harder to, to Trump? Now you've done it twice in a row. Uh, are you a little nervous about next year or are you already working on next year? Next year, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many times they've ever given that score out. Um, yeah. It's, hey, it's good for me, right? I just keep absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And then, I guess one of my, my, my questions for you, obviously, with the new whiskey, Cascade Moon, even the George Dickel bottle and bond, which, by the way, my father-in-law tried it um, not too long after you know I had gotten the sample, and he liked it so much, he went out and bought, uh, I think, two more bo- <laughs> bottles. I love that. Of it. You'll have <laughs> so, to tell him about the rating so he, you know, he can feel yeah. excited if he got his hands on it. Yeah, so he, he definitely enjoys it. I, I definitely enjoy it, too, but... Is that something that you do a lot of down there right now is just kind of go and, you know, look at the so-called library of, of the different barrels you have and, yeah. and different recipes and just kind of see what you can maybe put together? Yes. Yes, it is. Especially now that I'm traveling so much less. It's been a real silver lining for me to get to spend a lot more time, you know, in the distillery and with the whiskeys. And um, it's the best part of my job. You know, I don't always have time to do it, but I, I really try and make time and um, it's my, it's my absolute favorite part of my job. Um, I feel ridiculously lucky. Uh, well, well, you're doing a, a ridiculously good job too, Nicole. <laughs> and, you. um, my, my, my last question for you, um, is, you know, what's next for you all? Cause obviously last time I asked that, you know, you gave me a great tease <laughs> basically <laughs> for, for Cascade Moon. Um, any other good teases or is yeah, it just kind of seeing what, what else um, you got? I mean, this is what happens when you leave me in the distillery for six months. I'm planning all sorts of things. Uh, we've got, um, so we have this very successful Dickel single barrel program 
Um, and we also have a lot of really stellar old whiskeys. Uh, so you should pretty soon here see something coming out of that, um, which is like the world's worst big teaser. I mean, basically putting out the world, right? <laughs> so I'm very excited about that. And, you know, the next edition of Cascade Moon is coming. And then, you know, starting kind of next, next year, um, a lot of these have been really small scale, you know, sort of just by their nature. And, you know, bottom to bond, I, I was, I've really been trying to make as much as I can. I didn't expect this level of success. Um, so, you know, starting beginning of next year, I'm trying to think about what can I do, you know, that will be available, right? Like, I, I always, as a whiskey lover, feel a tiny bit of guilt putting something out that is not just going to be always available. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to think about something for next, you know, next year that's going to be uh, a little bit bigger and a little bit more widely available. So, you know, as many people as possible can really appreciate what's coming out of this amazing distillery. Well, uh, like I said, I can't wait to see see what's next, Nicole, because the Georgia Dickel bottle and bond that I had was wonderful. Uh, you know, just getting the 95 uh, for whiskey advocate is well deserved. The Cascade Moon you. that she just put together uh, and, and just released edition number one uh, was also a very delicious, very sippable. And like you said, it's kind of a curious, it, it gets your curiosity going to what flavors can be put together. Uh, so I really, like I said, I cannot wait to see what's next. Uh, from you all thank you well we'll we'll, we should talk again (laughs) absolutely nicole thank you for for hopping on again with us you're so welcome it was a real pleasure it's always great to talk to nicole austin the distiller general manager for cascade hollow distilling down in tennessee home of uh, george dickel uh, tennessee whiskey but today she was talking about the cascade moon releases and uh, if you want to hear that episode, though, that we did with her on George Dick on her career, how she kind of got into the, the industry, it, it uh, was released in early October, part of our Whiskey Weeks. You definitely need to check it out. It was a fun interview. She's got an amazing story to tell. And I also want to thank our, our sponsor for Whiskey Weeks again, Obergatlinburg. Come discover all the wonderful things that Obergatlinburg Ski Area and Amusement Park has to offer. Experience breathtaking views as you ride the aerial tramway from downtown Gatlinburg to the mountaintop to play, shop, and dine. Summer tubing, wild life encounter coaster ice bumper cars alpine slide chairlift year-round ice skating and much more equals fun for everyone during the winter months enjoy snow tubing skiing or snowboarding or playing the cubby snow zone with your little ones fun festivals round out the calendar with mayfest in the spring and Oktoberfest each fall mountaintop of fun and excitement high above gatlinburg is waiting for you at ober gatlinburg ski area and amusement park And as we leave the Whiskey Weeks giveaway, we go to our first little clue as to what's in our holiday Things We Love giveaway. And joining us now here is Josh Hurst, the Director of Hospitality for Pies and Pints, which is definitely part of our Things We Love holiday giveaway. It's a restaurant near and dear to me. Josh, thanks for taking some time to talk good food and good drinks. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Now, for those that may not have ever heard of Pies and Pints, you guys... You know, you're in a few states. You started out in West Virginia. You're pizza and beer and some wine and, and, and drinks there. Uh, what what can people expect if they were ever to go in and uh, check out a Pies and Pints? Um, I, I would say, first and foremost, we we simply want to give people an amazing experience. Um, the, the vehicle that we use to do so is 
craft pizza and craft beer specifically. But as you mentioned, we also do do get do get into wine, and you know we have other food items outside of, of pizza as well. We have uh, amazing wings, just absolutely incredible wings, sandwiches, salads, um, etc. But first and foremost, the one thing that we want to do is is simply make people happy and give them an amazing experience, whether they want to come in and you know have some some chips and salsa, where they they want a, a pizza, they want a beer, you know whatever it is. We just want to absolutely wow them with with a great experience. And to, to your point on those wings, those char grilled wings, they might be my most favorite wings I've ever had from, <laughs> from anywhere. <laughs> so I, yeah, the, they, they may, you, you all do some great things with food. That's awesome. I, I appreciate that. We, uh, you know, I'm not a wing person, generally speaking, but I absolutely love our wings and, uh, I, I get them almost every week at, at one location or another. <laughs> now your role as director of hospitality, how did you kind of get into that and what, what does that entail? I mean, obviously I'm guessing, you know, hospitality that you want, want things to go well for people when they visit, but I'm guessing you do a little bit more than just that. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's, it's a really, really long story, but it's really, really simple. Um, I, uh, I, I was at grad school off at grad school and, uh, I kind of decided that that wasn't for me. Um, and so I moved back to Columbus, Ohio and, was looking to, to try and find something. I started taking some uh, classes for another graduate program, uh, some prerequisites for another program, and kind of stumbled upon Pies and Pints getting ready to open in Worthington, Ohio. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I, I have a background in pizza, worked in pizza places my whole life. You know, I love beer. I, I've been brewing beer for years. Like, this might be a perfect fit, you know, a little part-time bartending gig while I'm back in school. And started and fell in love with it uh, instantly. And within a week, I, I became a full-time bartender. And within about two weeks, I became the beer buyer. At that point, <laughs> I knew this is it. I, it. This allows me to teach, which is what I was going to grad school for. Um, it, it allows me to teach about beer and pizza and people and it just everything was, was perfect. Um, a few weeks after that, uh, the the owners asked if I could help them open up another store that was opening up in West Virginia. I said, absolutely. And it's pretty much been a right place, right time, do everything I possibly can, um, just just work like crazy. And the, the focus, kind of like I said um, initially, is my focus was always to make people happy. And whatever I could do to put a smile on your face, to to give you this amazing experience was was what I wanted to do. And it was that attitude kind of paired with everything that we do at Pies, which has the same kind of uh, philosophy. It was just a perfect fit. Um, I, I slowly kind of got into, as we opened up more and more stores, um, got into a more kind of solidified role as the beverage director. Um, and then just fairly recently over the past year, um, I've been doing more and more kind of bigger, broader across the company, um, uh, across pretty much everything you can imagine. And that kind of worked its way into the director of hospitality role. I was going to say, I find it very interesting on your, your uh, role there of just the love of, of beer, you know, doing some little home brewing, mm -hmm. things like that, because I'm going to skip around on my, my questions a little bit, but I mean, for, for pies and pints, you know, you know, craft pizza and beer, obviously that had to be a perfect fit. And how does that work for, for pies and pints? Cause they are craft pizza, you know, very specialty, type pizzas, but they also love their, their beer and their craft beers, uh, mm -hmm. too. Um, for me, my, my concept 
when I look at the pairing of the two together is I don't necessarily look at it has to be pizza A with beer A. Um, I just look at a kind of uh, bigger, broader uh, scope and I want people to enjoy whatever it is they're eating. We happen to have some amazing pizzas with all these incredible ingredients and combinations. And then we also like to bring in a bunch of really amazing, you know, ridiculous beers that kind of go across the range from, you know, really solid uh, German Pilsners to really, really ridiculous and, and ambitious um, New England style IPAs. And I think for me personally, uh, obviously I'm a bit biased, but when you look at pizza and beer, they both offer one another just a fantastic palate to, to use as like a jumping off point. And I think, you know, traditionally, you know, especially when you look at, at pairings uh, with, with wine, it's always been a, oh, varietal A goes with food item B. It's always been a very specific thing. And I think with pizza and beer, you can really open it up to almost anything. Um, it's going to be tough to get to, you know, a perfect pairing between like a simple salad and an imperial stout. But <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> outside of that, you know, I, I think that it, it's a lot easier to really get people into both the food item and the beer that they really, really love. Well, and I think one thing that I've always loved about Pies and Pints, I've been going back since there was just the one location in Fayetteville, West Virginia. <laughs> And I, I, we would drive like 45 minutes to an hour just to go up there when I was in college. And I always love the kind of the, the beer pairing and pizza because you, you t- touch on this perfectly. I would literally, you know, there'd be like 10 of us, you know, back pre-COVID days when you can have a nice large group at a, at a table. And we'd get a couple of pitchers of different beers and like four different pizzas and we'd all try different things. Yep. Yeah, it, it almost always works. Um one of the things that, that we really do is, so again, like I kind of talked about with, with pairing, I don't think it ne- necessarily has to be very specific, but one of the things that we like to do is when, it, when a guest comes in and when we're talking to them, it's not simply, oh, I like IPAs. Cool. Well, what kind of IPAs do you like? You know, what kind of flavors are you looking for? What are you going to get to eat today? And, and really try and guide them through not simply an IPA with uh, pizza or whatever it happens to be, but, oh, we've got these, you know, six or seven different IPAs up there. We can really figure out which one might go well with your pizza today because of what your palate says. And so we really want to go through that experience with them and, and try and figure out what's going to be best for them. Um, instead of simply saying, oh, you're getting a, you know, a, a grape and gorgonzola pizza, therefore you need to drink this beer. We want it to be an exploration. We want it to be interesting. We want it to be exciting and uh, kind of most of all, just fun. Well, and now you all are in, in I believe, is it six states now? Is that, mm-hmm. is that correct? Yep. You know, so, I mean, from West Virginia, you're home in, in a little town in Fayetteville, West Virginia, kind of a nice little white water rafting outdoorsy place to, yeah. you know, Columbus, Cincinnati, my hometown now of Lexington, Richmond, Virginia, all these different places. How, how have you guys been able to grow over the years? Um, I, I would say you, you probably look at it, uh, with, with two different primary factors. You've got the quality. So whether it's the, the food, whether it's the, the beverages, um, paired with amazing people. So quality overall, but you have it both the, the things that you see in store as far as what you're going to be eating and drinking, but then the people that we have 
um, working at Pies and Pints. Um, I mean, I spend pretty much all day, every day, talking to whether it's our managers, our you know beer buyers, you know um, servers and bartenders in the stores, you know everybody working the line. You know, I'm, I'm constantly in there talking to everybody, and I think the the people make it easy. So the product is there. The product is fantastic. You've obviously um, been enjoying it for, for quite a few years. Like mm-hmm. I said, I worked in pizza. <laughs> I've worked in pizza almost my whole life. And I don't think there's a better pizza out there. I think we are absolutely fantastic. Um, so I think the product is there. Now we just needed to find a way to get it out there. And the people are what make that happen. Amazing people make it make it pretty easy to, to grow and expand. And and then one thing I believe you guys always have tried to do too is any time you go into a newer place, so to speak, you know, like you know, before you were only in West Virginia, then you came into Ohio. You got a couple of spots in Columbus, I think a couple in Cincinnati. You always try to find local craft beers too to highlight. How important of a tie is that to kind of get that local craft beer uh, scene in into to pies of pines? It's huge. Um, there are amazing beers all over the world. There, you, you can walk into any bottle shop, any grocery store, any restaurant, any bar, and you're going to be able to find a fantastic beer. You know, you look at 10, 15 years ago, there weren't as many, but they were still there. Now, there's a lot. <laughs> there are a lot, thousands and thousands of, of breweries that are available almost any day of the week. And when you look at locally sourced products, not only is it's not across the board, but you're almost always going to be getting something that's a little bit fresher. If it's made right down the street or right across town, it's, it's going to get to you a little bit quicker than something that is made halfway around the world. So you look at that and you combine, you combine that locality with the fact that it's part of the community that you're in as well. And it just creates kind of that, that perfect symbiotic relationship that, that just works um, for everybody. And so, yes, we, we always want to, we always want to focus on quality first, um, but locality is is right there as well. It has to be good, but if it's good, we want we want the local stuff. And for you, how how difficult is it, or how much fun is it for for you to kind of go out there and look for for those different types of beers, whether it's super local, regionally, or even maybe more on a national scale? Um, it's really easy. It's really difficult, and it's really fun and really challenging all at the same time. Um, it kind of, as I I just mentioned, there are a lot of breweries. And even when I, when I started with this company eight years ago, there were a lot, there weren't anywhere near as many as there are right now. And it used to be a situation where, you know, I, I would know like, like in person, know almost every single brewery that was out there that we were able to serve. And that's getting to be a little bit more difficult. That being said, you know, I still... I, I'm in contact with almost every single, you know, brewery that we we do business with, and almost every single local brewery in, in any of our cities and and states, we're in communication with on a weekly or monthly basis. Um, and it's one of those things. Like in, in Lexington, you know, when when we looked to to open up that store, the first thing I did was once okay, we're going to open up a store in Lexington. The first thing I did was go down, and I went to all the breweries, and I tried to talk to everybody and try all their beers and, you know again, really wanted to develop amazing selection in, in all of our locations based around the local breweries. And so back then when we opened, you know, it was, 
the three big ones were Blue Stallion, uh, West Sixth, and Country Boy. And I, I still to this day have great relationships with all of them, as do the, the buyers in the stores. And um, it's fun, but it is, it is definitely challenging. I was going to say, it's, it's one of those things that uh, you, you love, but uh, as, as time goes on, just so many more options keep, keep popping up, I'm sure makes it a, a little bit more difficult to just keep that personal relationship with everyone. Yeah. It is, but one of the things that, that I always say is, you know, obviously we have 15 stores in six states and you, you get to that level and people start looking at you like, you're, oh, you're a chain. You're, oh, you're a chain. Okay, well, yeah, whatever. We still make everything in house, just like we did day one back in Fayetteville, uh, in in the kitchen, and we still take that exact same attention to detail on the beverage side. Every store has their own buyer. Every buyer gets to bring in you know almost everything that they want. We want those relationships. Like we will take ten times as much time as as necessary to make sure that we are doing it right for that store, for the guests that come into that store. So. Yes, the food menu is is the same everywhere, um, but I, I can promise you we, we spend a lot of time and attention on, on making each store as unique as possible. And and, uh, and I must say, you guys have done a, a great job on that. And my, my last question for you is, you know, we've talked a lot about the craft beers, but your pizza place at heart, you know, that's kind of what you do do well. Um, how do you come up? How do you guys come up with these unique creations? You know, some of the recent ones. I know it was, I think, supposed to be seasonal was the street corn pizza. Now it's, mm-hmm. I think, full-time on the, on the menu. I love the chipotle chicken. Uh, my wife loves the steak and mushroom. Yep. Um, you know, and now you guys, I think, even have a date night pizza, which is, for those that are thinking, ooh, I take my, my, my man or, or, or lady out there for a date. It's not exactly like that. But how do you guys come <laughs> up with these, you know, cool combinations that just work so well? Um, that's a really, really good question. Um, and the answer kind of goes back to, uh, something I'd said earlier, it's, it's the people. Um, and so when you look at, you know, kind of the chicken Gouda, which is probably my favorite pizza that we have, um, it going back to Fayetteville and one of the, the initial kitchen managers from pretty much again, from day one, it's been a collaborative effort. And so we always encourage, you know, anybody that, that, that's working in our stores, any, any guest you know, that has any suggestions, let us know. And we will take all those suggestions and then try and see what we can do with them. Um, but it, it's mainly just the, the creative people that we have um, working in our restaurants. And you know, when I'm going to all these different stores and I'm you know, talking to everybody, people are coming up and saying, oh my gosh, what about this? What about this? And you know, oftentimes I'll say like, okay, well, yeah, do it show me, let's see what it is. And, uh, they'll make it and, um, you know, take pictures of it and figure out how they made it. And then we all kind of collaboratively talk about it and see if it's feasible and if it's not. Um, and you know, it's, it's kind of been that collaborative process from day one, but it all just goes back to just really amazing creative people that know what they're doing and know how to combine all these really unique ingredients. Well, folks, if, if you haven't yet, I, I know they're not everywhere, but they are in six states, some some big cities. So if you're out visiting, say, uh, Columbus, Cincinnati, Richmond, Virginia, uh, maybe even Morgantown, Charleston, West Virginia, or the original Fayette, Fayetteville, uh, West Virginia, you got to check them out. The Pies and Pints has been pretty much close to my heart from, from uh, you know about 10 years ago, uh, back when they just had one, one tiny little spot in Fayetteville, West Virginia, where they were making great 
pizza uh, with some nice uh, local beers there. And uh, Josh, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on to talk about it. And, and like I said, folks, you got to check them out. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been fun. It was a lot of fun talking with Josh Hurst, Director of Hospitality for Pies and Pints, and earlier with Nicole Austin, just a general Master Distiller and General Manager of Cascade Hollow Distilling in Tennessee, where she got to talk about the Cascade Moon series they just released there. Uh, and not just George Dickel. They, they're a little more than, than that down there in Tennessee. Remember, you can find past episodes pretty much where podcasts are available. We keep adding new platforms, so uh, pretty sure you can find us on your favorite one. Tell all your friends, and don't forget to visit our friend One Sip Beer Review at One Sip Beer Review on Instagram. They do daily beer reviews or near daily beer reviews. They have some cool giveaways from time to time, and they also just have a lot of fun uh, with their videos. So check them out at One Sip Beer Review on Instagram. Next week, we talk to Brandon Hunt of Bourbon Charity. Who knows what other guests we might have on. we got a lot of fun to close out 2020. Until next time, cheers, everyone.